from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Literally, before I can get everything done, he came back to me. He says, I think I have something, you know, that'd be great for you. That wound up being my next opportunity. Today on episode 30 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Diana George. Diana made the transition from employee to entrepreneur twice. She shares some of the strategies she has learned to help alleviate the anxiety caused when your paycheck disappears while you're building your business. Diana is an HR professional, and you'll want to listen to the many nuggets she shares about utilizing the talents of a team to build your business. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, Sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Now, let's welcome Diana George. Diana is the founder and president of By George HR Solutions. She has worked with global companies such as Bose and the luxury watch brand Omega. With over three decades' experience in a career that has encompassed leadership in retail, nonprofit, health and wellness, and the private sector, Diana works with companies to realize and strengthen the resources they have in their employees. Diana, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here today and excited. I'm excited to have you on. So you've made the transition from employee to entrepreneur twice. And, you know, many people that we talk about on this show have done it just once. What have you learned from the first time that you made that transition that helped you make the transition from employee to entrepreneur the second time? That's a great question. And I will say that the thing that I learned and the most valuable lesson was what I call the estimation of effort. And so uh, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, you're doing everything itself. And there's a lot that goes into it. And even though we have this vision, sometimes we don't realize all the activities and everything that it takes. And so I I definitely know that the second time around, I was much better prepared for it, having the experience the first time around, just understanding how much of the effort was going to need to be put there and how much I was going to have to do to get and reach my goals. So that was helpful, very helpful the second time around. And would you say that it was just the actual activities that you had to produce yourself? Was it also some of the the mindset that goes along with, oh, gee, I'm like everything? It is everything. It's the mindset. It's the activities itself, because your mindset totally has to shift. And so whereas when you're working for someone else, sometimes that direction does come from another individual. It's all coming from you now. So you are the vision maker. You're the planner. You're the strategic maker. You're everything. And so you have to prepare yourself. And in terms of the mindset, it is very important because you want to be able to get out of bed every day enthusiastic about that goal and that dream that you have. And so it's really important as an entrepreneur to have that because if you don't have that passion and you don't have that mindset, because every day is not going to be the best of days itself. And so you have to be really prepared for that. And speaking of goals and dreams, are your goals and dreams this time around as an entrepreneur any different than they were the first time? 
I think this time around, it's it's pretty aligned and it's very much the same thing. I think that I what I've been able to do is hone on into it a lot more and have a lot more clarity. I think the very first time when I came into being an entrepreneur, I had this whole vision itself, but I didn't really have it narrowed down enough to know what direction I should go or what path I should take to do it. So, you know, I think there's a lot more clarity for me this time, which has helped me to jumpstart it and really be able to go in the direction that I need to go without maybe, uh, as I would say, a horse with blinders on and not looking to the left or looking to the right and then being, you know, swayed one way or another. I really had the clarity on where I needed to be in the direction I needed to go in. Okay. And um, where do you want your business to lead? You know what? For me, the sky is the limit. And that's what I've learned also about being an entrepreneur. It's okay to, you know, think in that sense and have the sky be the limit. And so you will have sometimes people around you, naysayers. And sometimes you kind of get into this whole thing where I don't want to put it out there because what if somebody doesn't agree with me? But for me, the sky is the limit. And so right now I'm looking at my business going global. I'm here in the United States. And, you know, my my plan is to really go global with my business at this point, because I know that the product that I have and what I service people with is not just something that is generic to one particular area of the country, but it is something that globally anyone can uh, be a part of or they can benefit from what I do. Well, Diana, that's very exciting. It certainly is. um, In today's world, it's relatively easy to go global because technology makes it possible to do that. Um, On the other hand, it certainly can be quite daunting because global is really big. There are 8 billion people in the world and lots of business opportunities and lots of challenges. Absolutely, there are. But I think to your point, it is because in this day and age and because of technology, it is a lot easier in a sense. I mean, my services and what I do right now, I work with a lot of organizations. I work with individuals and with the internet and the ability to put things online. And just as we're talking today, you know, on and using things like Skype and Zoom, it really does open up the potential to do it a lot easier than, let's say, 20 years ago. So so what is your core product or your core offering? Wonderful question. So organizations really consult with me, organization individuals, when they're ready to hire reliable employees. And this allows them to increase productivity, profitability, and really improve retention in the workplace. Because as I take a look at it, I say your employees are your best brand ambassadors. So even as an entrepreneur, you start out with an idea and you have a product or a service. But as you continue to expand, you need employees um, to be able to share that, that product or experience with your clients, uh, clientele. And so I really believe in investing in people. And when you do that, you do see the results of that in the expansion of your company. So I really want to show people how to do that and do it effectively. And what kinds of mistakes do companies make when it comes to hiring? They forget that the hiring, uh, you, it really starts in the interview process itself when you're hiring the best candidate for the job. And it starts with your company and the culture. And so when you're looking for the right and ideal candidate, you want to make sure that that person meshes with what your company culture is. And don't forget that it starts during that interview process. And so often um, what I see is individuals uh, see things happening and they're afraid to confront it or have the conversations. And, you know, I, I have the saying, you know, the things that you uh, tolerate, you encourage. And so if you don't have the necessary conversations, it becomes a problem down the line and it doesn't go away. And so sooner or later, one way or another, you will have to confront it. 
what what's an example of the kind of conversation you should be having that some interviewers avoid or are afraid to have? During the interview process itself, finding out from people, even in terms of alignment and different things that are important to them itself. And so if you have a company culture that, you know, you know, right now that in terms of work hours, you have weekends or you even have certain hours that you need people to work, you need to let them know during that interview process itself. You don't want people to get into a job and realize, oh, this is not the right fit for me because you didn't share enough information with them during the interview process itself. And so during the interview process, one of the things that I literally try to do is talk the person out of the job. I'm going to give them everything that they really need to know about this particular position, not just the good things, because often that's what we do during the interview process. And it's done on the other side as well. The person that you're interviewing, they're putting their best foot forward. And the person that's interviewing you, they're telling you all the great things about the company. And certainly you want them to know those things. But it's great to be very um, transparent and let people know also those other things that come along with the job that they should know. And I think that when you do that in the very beginning, you're honest with people, they sense that itself and they feel that they belong to something that's much greater than just a job. And at the end of the day, I think we all want to be a part of something that we um, invest our time in, but that we get something out of as well. And we really feel like we belong to something. Right. So it's kind of like on the first date, you may be afraid to tell your date that you have a problem with snoring. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want them to know that itself. But ultimately, if the relationship continues, they're going to find that out anyway. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right. So things like if you have to work after hours, work on weekends, um, extensive travel, what are some of the other things people are often afraid to talk about during the interview? During the interview process, also just in terms of the team itself and the dynamics of the individuals that, you know, work there on the team itself. And so I'm also very upfront about that because you do have uh, many different personalities and, you know, diversity on the team. And so I think it's okay when you're interviewing and letting them know, okay, you'll be stepping into this team and we have these type of personalities in the team. And how do you fit into that? And tell me a little bit about how you operate or how will we get the best out of you? Because then you're really diving in and you're finding out who this person is. And um, to your point, it is. It's a lot like dating. And so you want to be able to really get the underlying and find out really the true qualities of that individual during the interview process and vice versa. And Diana, how did you develop your own expertise being able to do this? You know, I worked for uh, uh, one of the companies that I worked for very early in my career, uh, and I have to name them their phenomenal company was Bose Speakers. And I was really impressed at that time with their human resource department because they really helped us as managers understand the interviewing process, how to get the best out of individuals, you know, that we work with. And so I took all that to heart and I continued to use it in my career to the point that I then found myself in a human resource career doing exactly that. But I learned that from that company and I took it with me everywhere else that I went. And so I'm always looking for the best in people um, because there is, there's a lot of good that's there in people. And when we hire people, we hire them with the sense that they're going to be there for a long time. I don't think anybody ever hires anybody and says, oh, that person's only going to last three months. And then somewhere during the line, we find maybe we're having issues with this this employee. And so I think it's more so an imperative that I look at myself and say, what did I not do to set that person up for success? 
And so I'm always looking at how do I help that person to win at the end of the day? Because if they win, then I win. Right. Sounds like great, great expertise and um, and a great experience learning it at a company like Bose. Wonderful. It was. Diana, what caused you to leave employment and decide to start a business, both the first time and the second time? I think for me, the first time I had gotten to a point where my my ideas were bigger and I wasn't able to do it in, in the job that I was. So I thought, OK, why not step out and have my own? Um, I realized at this time that I had a knack for really being able to bring people together, not only in the hiring process, but the employee relation and really getting the best out of people. And I thought that's something that I want to be able to not only do on my in my own, but then show people how to do. And so that's the realm that I, I went in. And this is the second time around, it's the same thing. And so when I stepped away from the last job that I had at a corporate job, luxury retail, it was that same exact thing. I wanted to step away and just kind of diversify and be able to do it on a much larger scale. I was doing it for a particular company, but I had my own ideas and things that I wanted to do. And so now I get to do it on the playing field that I want to do it. And I have to tell you, it's the most wonderful thing to wake up every single day and jump into it, knowing that I get to create the way that I want my company to look. Now, for folks that may be either in the midst of it, like you are, or contemplating making a change, or perhaps the trigger for their change is a job loss, and they but they really want to be an entrepreneur. So they're using using the job loss as an opportunity to make the transition like you've made into their own business. What advice do you have for getting your new business up and running as quickly as possible? Great question. So one of the things that I really tell people is that any position that they have, any job that they're ever doing, there's a skill set that you can learn that you can take with you someplace else. And so that's the one thing that I have people do is take a look at what are some of the skill sets that they have? Because I think a lot of times people are afraid to really take a look and they don't give themselves enough credit for things that they are able to do or that they know what they're good at. And so a lot of times when things come very easy to us and we're good at something, we forget about that. And so those are the type of things that you want to take a look at. What are those things that come easy to you that you get a lot of joy at and you're very good at doing? And so when you start to take that, then you can start to align things to go in the direction and even determine, is this the right opportunity for me in terms of a business? And so it's not just about chasing the money. I say that it's less about chasing the money, but but chasing that thing that you really enjoy doing that gets you up, you know, every day that you're excited about, because that's where you'll put most of your energy in and then the rest will come itself. Right. Now, I couldn't agree with you more that you really have to understand what it is that you love doing, what you're most competent at doing, and where you can provide the most value for clients, particularly if you're in a service business based on your expertise. That said, however, there is the reality that folks, especially if they've experienced a job loss, the lack of current income is going to cause a lot of anxiety. Any advice as to how to try to put that financial anxiety on the shelf as much as possible so that you can focus on 
finding clients and providing real value to the right kinds of clients? That's a wonderful question because you're right. When there's anxiety there because, of course, the bills need to be paid, your focus is off and you're not taking a look. And so, you know, if you have a situation where there's been, you know, a, a job loss that was unexpected, you know, one of the things that people don't forget, there is um, temporary jobs right now where you can go and, and to a temp agency. And frankly, my last position that I wound up being at for over seven years came through a temp agency. And temp agencies right now are a way for people people to still be able to do something, have some money um, coming in in the meantime as they're trying to get everything together. And so interesting enough, temp agencies right now, they offer paid time off. They offer sometimes benefits. So a lot of people don't realize that there's an opportunity there to immediately go to a temp agency that can find a position for them that they can work at their own convenience as they're still trying to get their business off the ground if they choose to do so. Right. And do you find that temp agencies will often have the kind of work that really ties into a person's expertise, especially for those folks that may be high achievers or higher level in terms of the kind of work that they did and their the kind of compensation that they were receiving? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to share a quick story with you. And it goes back to what I just said. So I was consulting and I had my own business. And uh, when I was consulting, this was back in 2011, I had a tree that fell on my car and destroyed my car, totaled my car overnight and literally did not have any transportation. And I was consulting at that time, driving about an hour and a half away to the client that I was working with. And I went on Craigslist none other than Craigslist. And I found a, a position and I responded. And at that time, uh, the person responded back to me right away. And it turned out to be a temp agency. I went to this temp agency and filled out paperwork and started some of the testing. And literally before I can get everything done, he came back to me. He says, I think I have something, you know, that'd be great for you. That wound up being my next opportunity. Like I said, I wound up being there for um, seven years. Wonderful company, wound up luxury retail watch company, wound up helping them start their retail division and allowed me to even grow within the company. So definitely, Yes. You know, there are um, jobs right now and people are looking for qualified candidates. And so certainly if there's a position right now or someone has an open job, that means they're not having or they're not having a certain amount of production being done or they don't have somebody to do it. So if you can come in and fill that position and they can see that and you do a good job and wow them, you never know where that that opportunity can lead. So certainly I would recommend that people, you know, you have something unfortunate that comes to you. Yes, definitely go to a temp agency. That's that's great advice. Diana, what what kinds of resources were most helpful to you as you were building your business, especially early on? Sure. Um, in terms of resources, I, one of the things that I'm a, a key component of, and I think it's imperative that we do, surrounding yourself with the right people, right people with the right mindset, and even having coaches for yourself. Because I think no matter what level that we get to, there's always an opportunity to grow and learn more. And so that's been one of the things that I've done is surround myself with um, other individuals that are like-minded in terms of the networking that I do and uh, the people that I'm around, but also having coaches that can help me. Because the thing is, if you don't have to recreate or reinvent the wheel, let's not do it. 
And so there, for most things, there's somebody out there that's already done that thing that we're trying to do. And so really having that structure of how to do it. And this time around, I can tell you that's been one of the successes for me is that finding those people and, and putting that time into it. So I'm not wasting a lot of time. Mm. And what have you found works really well for you to find the right people that can be most helpful, that fit within the constraints of whatever your budget is? Great question. The area that I am in right now, I happen to be in the um, what they call DMV area. That's D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And I have to say that I have never been so impressed with the area in terms of networking and marketing and getting to know people itself where it's very cost effective. Uh, there's a lot of events that's in this area that you don't have to pay to go to, but you meet phenomenal people and the connections are there um, itself and other opportunities. And I think that that would be one of the things that I would look for in my area if they belong to any local organizations because I'm an HR. I belong to the SHRM organization, Society of Human Resource Management. And so I stay connected to that organization. But other organizations that have uh, similar uh, activities and have to do with human resources, I stay connected with. And so whatever the industry that you're in, you know, you can find things, whether it's through local events that are in your area that you can participate in because because the thing is having people recognize you and getting your name out there and developing those relationships with people. And uh, the other thing that I would say is definitely get, get a profile together on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the what people use for business itself. And it's great because you could be all over the world, but you're meeting people that are in your industry uh, that can help you out or contact you or connect you with someone else. So having a LinkedIn profile, which anybody can do and start to, you know, uh, engage with people on LinkedIn, I think is a, is a phenomenal. And have, have you found, besides just having a, a good profile on LinkedIn, are there other ways that you've found LinkedIn to be particularly useful? Um, LinkedIn, yes. LinkedIn right now, in terms of uh, even getting business, opportunities is there um, by engaging people and talking to people and letting people know what you do. Uh, it's a wonderful way for people now to engage with you where now if they know more about your business and if they have a need, they can reach out to you. So LinkedIn is that opportunity to do that. And I'm also using LinkedIn for additional business. Sounds great. Diana, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything that you've shared today or get in touch with you or access any resources you may have, where would they go? Sure. So my uh, website, you can go to ByGeorge, that's B-Y-G-E-O-R-G-E-H-R.com. And right now, um, David, I have a download for individuals on how they can align their purpose and passion. And so it's a purpose on purpose workbook, and it's at bit.ly slash on purpose workbook. So that's bit.ly slash on purpose workbook. And they'll be able to download that. And as an entrepreneur, it just helps to get you ready and in the mindset of things that you should be aware of as you now start this next uh, journey and venture. Sounds great. Um, Diane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo. My guest today has been Diana George, the founder and president of By George HR Solutions. Thank you again, Diana, for joining us. Thank you, David, for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash going solo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to think about your culture and your team to build your business and much more. 
If you are trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.